Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for following Jesus. If we haven't met yet, my name is Tony, and I am your host. Every single week, I have one simple goal, to help you reclaim good practices for following Jesus. This week, got a great conversation with the legendary Clint Greider. His latest resource, Mind the Gap is all about the local church. It's a deep dive into what we're doing and if what we're doing is really working. It's based on the London Underground and the gap in where the trains are. It's, it's a fascinating conversation. He, he tells the story so much better than I do. Trust me, listen to it. And then ask yourself some questions about waypoints and constants and patterned activity and the awareness gap and all of it. It's such a good dialogue. This is a thinker dialogue, so you may want to get the pen and notebook out. Guys, I'm super thankful for you. And if today's conversation is helpful, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts and leave uh, a review on iTunes. And the highest compliment, share this episode with a friend. Maybe somebody who you know needs to think about their gaps. Now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Clint Greider. Clint, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I can't wait to jump into this conversation. It is so exciting to be here, Tony. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, I, listen, I know that you've already listened to a couple of podcast episodes, so you know the question I'm going to ask first. H- how would you define the calling that God has placed on your life? Yeah. I, hey, I love that you open up your podcasts with that question. It's so good. Let, let me tell you a little bit about my background, because I, I think it, it's sort of uh, it sort of communicates the journey. Uh, I come from a higher education and nonprofit leadership background. And so my master's was in educational psychology. My doctoral research was in process improvement and group dynamics. And, and so I get really excited uh, about figuring out how people tick. It, it really fascinates me. And it fascinates me why certain organizations and ideas really connect with people and other things don't. And, and so uh, and so I've worked in research universities and Christian universities, but over time, God led me uh, to more deeply engage with his church and work with churches and ministries. And, you you know, uh, that led to my being ordained as a pastor, ultimately serving the local church, also working with parachurch organizations, serving hundreds of churches. And that ultimately led to where I am now, where I'm just blessed to get to travel uh, around the country and work with churches to help them deepen real life disciple making. Let me, let me ask you this just out of curiosity. Do you think that the um, developing a mind for that kind of research and psychology and curiosity. Do you see that as a gift or more as a muscle that you've flexed over time? You know, that, that's a fascinating question. I, I think that all people have certain inclinations and certain bents and motivations and kind of proclivities towards certain things. But, but I do think that God works in us and through us and his spirit is constantly wanting to grow us. Mm. And so I, I don't think any of this is something that, uh, the typical person, whether in church ministry or a pastor or, or just a leader or just someone who's on a faith journey with Jesus. Uh, I don't think there's any of it that wouldn't apply to them if they're willing to lean into what God has for them. 
Well, I, I think you and I, uh, we, I, I, we, you and I started having these epic conversation before I even hit record. So <laughs> I know we're of like mind on a lot of things. And before we start nerding out on all your latest resource, Mind the Gap, I'm, I'm wondering if you could kind of give us the background and maybe take us in a little bit to the London Underground and how all this kind of kind of uh, this picture came to be. Yeah, yeah. Hey, have you ever been to London? Have you spent time there? I have not. I just got back from Germany, but that's as uh, as most European as I've been. Oh man, man, you've got to go sometime to London. It's a, it's a great city, and uh, we went over for the first time when our daughter uh, was studying uh, abroad there. And the London Underground, in, in case some of your listeners aren't familiar with it, is the largest and oldest subway system in the world. Hmm. And, and so there's some really cool things about it, just being that old, some really cool things about the system when you get into the inner workings of it. Uh, but, but one cool thing is when you enter each station, uh, emblazoned on, on the platforms and kind of booming over the loudspeakers is this phrase. It's really a, an iconic phrase in London that says, mind the gap. Hmm. And so the idea here, some of these stations are old enough where trains are on these curved platforms. And so you've got to be careful, uh, you know, as you step on or off the train or they may be higher or lower than the platform. And so it's this idea that you really need to pay consistent attention uh, when you're in the stations. And, and, you know, as I began thinking about this, I really discovered that if we are going to lead well within the church, there, there's this kind of cool metaphor that, that, that the London underground gives us that relates to church ministry and the structure uh, of church ministry. So, so let, let, let me jump in uh, to this just a little bit. Um, mm. uh, in the underground, you have trains, stations, and destinations. And so if we're going to, to lean into disciple making, that's truly effective. We need to get people to the right stations to get them on the right trains in their life to reach the destinations that God has for them. So, so let's start with destinations. Destinations represent the spiritual fruit, the ever-growing fruit in our lives, those, those disciplines, the, the sensitivities, the intentionality, the way we engage with people around us that God wants to grow within us. So if those are the destinations that God has for us, we, we have to do something to help shepherd and disciple other people to get there. And, and so if you think of trains— as is kind of you know trains are kind of in, in ongoing motion i like to call them constants those represent the ongoing things we do either our habits or uh, those can be ongoing things that the church may do or in training or other kinds of things but those those are ongoing things moving people more and more toward destinations but the big idea is you can't get people on the trains unless you get them to the right stations because mm. every station doesn't get you on every train yeah, amen. <laughs> but you know, and every train, by the way, doesn't get you to the right destination. And so, so it's this interesting idea. So stations represent what I call waypoints. Those are the more short-term things we do. Th those are the things that we do that are intended to point the way to get people on the right train based on where they are in their journey. And so at your church, Tony, do, do you guys have some shorter term things that, that you might do, uh, some events or some other things like that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll do some like, uh, life groups, for example, some yep. seasonal life groups that may not go all the time, or we do something called new to grace where someone who's brand new to the church might come in and kind of get an orientation about who we are and what we're trying to do. 
Is that kind of what you what you had yeah, in mind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Those are great examples. It it could be, uh, you know, even like a restoration ministry, kind of like mm-hmm. you're saying that shorter term based on someone's need at that point. Uh, but but the idea is that it's not intended to go on forever, right? It's intended to ramp people into something deeper that's more ongoing for their life that again is helping them get to those destinations that god has for them uh on their journey the problem comes when we're not ridiculously intentional about how we're connecting those stations and trains to the destinations uh every church has some form of trains yeah. and some form of stations today right they, 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 you know but but the, the pivotal questions uh, are do our stations actually connect people to our trains and do our trains take people to our intended destinations? Do they really, most of the time people don't take their right next step is because we haven't given them the right next step to take. Well, okay. So let, let's, let's get into the weeds a little bit. Uh, can you give us an example that we can kind of put our handles on uh, that maybe you've experienced as you visited churches all over the country? Cause I, I think right now a lot of people are going, I don't know what train I'm on. I don't know what station I'm at. You know, I don't even know what, you know, where do I, where do you begin with all this? How do you, how, how can we put some handles on this? Yeah. Love it. Love it. Let me, let me tell you a couple of stories. One you know, first, I'll share you one that, that really uh, broke my heart when I heard this. This was, uh, this was at a large church uh, doing all kinds of ministry. I mean, they got short-term stuff. They got longer-term stuff. They, you know, a rich history and heritage. And, and I had uh, someone uh, share with me that she and her husband were in a young married, the equivalent of a, of a life group, right? Hmm. Uh, or, or a Sunday school. Some churches call it different names. But they were, they were in this ongoing ministry. And, and they were friends. And they were you know, doing life together. They thought. And, and they were having Bible studies together. They thought they were digging into this. They thought everyone was in a good place. But, but it came to a point where ultimately over half the couples in this group Group got a divorce. Wow! And and as this was happening, and and and, and as others were beginning to hear stories, he, here's what they heard. Now, 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 get this, Tony. Here's what they heard. They said that many of these couples, because they had been involved in the church, because they had been doing this, they thought that what would help them in their marriage was to get more involved in church activities. So what they started mm. to do was to volunteer for more. They started to get involved in more things. Let's serve more. Let's do more. Let's do that. Surely that will help us. Now, now again, they're in a life group, right? That's supposed to be helping with these kinds of things, but it didn't help. That's an example where trains weren't leading to the destinations and the right stations weren't happening along the way with other people that they were connecting with. Um, I can give you another example um, of uh, of a church. This is this is a church up in the Midwest that had begun a a, a ministry they called community bridges. And so the whole idea behind this was to get people to the point where individually they were bridging relationships with other people in the community. And so, so this church, they, they kind of, you know, went all in on this deal, right? They, they even raised millions of dollars to build this massive community center oh, wow. uh, where, you know, they opened the doors, they were partnering with ministries and like-minded organizations and even non-faith-based ministries to, to connect in a more real, you know, way, kind of in a more raw way with the community. And, 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 and over the first year, I think it was just a year and a half, they had like over a hundred thousand people who came through the doors 
of this community center. Now, now, now stick, stick with me here. I know it sounds gigantic, but it's going to get really personal here in a second. Um, and so, so they're doing all this stuff and all these things are happening, all this ministry serving, doing all these things. And, and uh, then as we dug into it uh, together, they began to have the sneaking suspicion, hmm, are our people just giving to this and maybe volunteering to some of the short-term stuff? But, but maybe it's not really transforming their life in the way they're personally engaging with others. And so we went in, we did a whole lot of research. We got some, some data back and, and, and Tony, you would just be amazed. It, it, it blew them away at how many people supported the community center and this idea of community bridges, but how microscopically few were actually doing this. So it was actually translated into something where they were relationally connecting with people in an ongoing way. And this actually led to some very concrete next steps that totally transformed in uh, the way they approached it. So uh, one of the terms that you use in the, in the resource is this idea of, of a breakthrough church, right? And, and so you kind of, you, you do a really great job of kind of characterizing the different types of churches that people might find themselves in. I, I'm wondering if you could kind of paint a description of, for the audience here, um, what what a breakthrough church is because I, I think as we as we listen as we think about transformation individual transformation that feels directly connected to this idea of a, a breakthrough church yeah yeah absolutely it's what what I would suggest is a breakthrough church gives proper deep emphasis uh, that, that's based on evaluation that that's not weird you know that's very relational that's very consistent but also isn't legalistic that helps them emphasize both waypoints and constants in the right way meaning they're so clear about the destinations the practical and the personal destinations that they're going for in each person's life that each person can relate to it it, it, it's not it's not a thing like, hey, I've attended church this often, or I'm serving in so many ministries, or I'm doing this. It relates to those first-person statements that that make sense to a person day in, day out. And so, so by giving proper attention to both stations and trains, waypoints and constants, and how those connect in people's lives, and how they're working or not, and what the barriers are, you can then make the kind of decisions to help you break through. You know, I, I can imagine that there's somebody listening right now who's like, guys, this sounds really like a business plan and less like <laughs> God's vision for the church. I, I'm wondering if you could kind of paint a picture on why um, waypoints and constants and these kind of dialogues are important and the consequences if we don't have them. Yeah, I would love, love to do that. I, you, you know, as I studied educational psychology and process improvement, I, I found the same principles that work deeply at engaging people deeply uh, are, are incredibly biblical. Shocker, right? <laughs> I mean, this should t- yeah, total surprise, right? You know, you look back over the centuries, and the stuff that works is really biblical. The, the The crazy thing, though, is that so many people in churches just haven't turned the dial in their minds to connect those dots 
always in a practical or a personal way. So, um, you, you know, look at look at how many times in both the Old Testament and the New Testament we see these metaphors, and, and Jesus uses them too of shepherding, of fishing, of building, of farming, right? And, and so, w- the the interesting thing happens when you start to overlay these and you look at these ancient occupations and how they relate to us today. But but let me give you just a couple of examples of things that uh, that that really overlap here. In in all of these we see a patterned activity. Hmm. We we see that they require a keen observation on everything. Not just kind of glancing, not just a, a story here or there, but keen observation and evaluation. They they require us to adapt quickly to circumstances. And remember, as I mentioned before, so many leaders feel that they're not equipped for the world we live in today. It's moving so quickly, right? It's changing. Well, we have to be better equipped to be able to adapt. Um, They they also involve this handing down of practical knowledge, you you know, the cool mentoring, the cool disciple to disciple, the one-on-one uh, uh, and, and, and I think it's really important to see that they also embody a system, not systems, plural, mm. right? <laughs> so many churches and so many even well-intended disciple-making approaches, you have a system for something over here. Maybe it's a ministry and you've got some people over there trying to run it as well as they can, get as many people involved as they can. Then you go over here and you've got another ministry or another system. And, and yeah, they may they may talk and they may use general language that says, oh, sure, we're, we're, we're building the kingdom or we're making disciples. But what happens is they're not connecting deeply together in what the outcomes actually are in people's lives. And therefore, they don't have a way to know that they're interdependent like the Bible describes. Um, just look at the stars. Mm. Look at the world. Look at the way God has designed things to work so beautifully and independently. Read through the Psalms, right? I mean, my goodness, there's scripture after scripture after scripture that takes us to the place of God's pattern and the way he's wired people and the way he's wired his universe to look at things more interdependently, which is what this uh, metaphor is intended to help us to do. You know, it's it's interesting to me because this is a really kind of um, both really personal and meta kind of thought right? It, yeah. It's, it lives in that world of both. And when yeah. did you, when did you realize that maybe the church wasn't getting the results that it wanted? <laughs> you know, like when did it click for you? Like, man, I, something's not working here or uh, maybe not working is an oversimplification, but like something is incongruent or feels off or like, ah, there's angst. You know, I, I had a pastor uh, say to me, and this wasn't that long ago. Um, uh, he said, Clint, by the way, this is after 20 years of ministry, pastoring successful churches, what many people would say are successful churches. But but he kind of came to this point where he said, it feels like uh, we've been designing things to create numbers instead of to transform lives. Mm. Everywhere I go, 
I hear pastors, I hear leaders, I, I just hear people in the church saying, you know, there feels like there's some dissonance, like, like there's some aspects of disconnect. You know, we, we can point to a few stories here and there. We can spotlight some things, and those are great for communication. But, but by the way, I, I, you know, as I, as I mentioned a, a bit earlier, uh, th- those are great for communication, and we praise God and we celebrate God for what he's doing in some of those. Uh, but they're great for communication but terrible for overall evaluation because these things could be happening with a few while we're missing the reach of the many that we're called to reach, whether that's through our entire congregation or it goes beyond that into our community. And so this is why I would suggest this is why we see so much deconstruction of faith happening today, right? There's a lot of people questioning their faith. Why do I believe what I believe? Do I, do I believe this? This is why people are jumping churches or there, there's so many in, in Gen uh, Z and, and millennials. I was talking uh, with a millennial leader just the other day who was saying there seems to be a whole lot of disconnect at times where you go, you'll attend stuff, but you don't really see how it relates to other stuff. You know? mm-hmm. And so it, it really emerged, Tony, uh, not explicitly from work that I was doing, but of the incredible uh, j- just repeating of, of this angst that so many people within the church are feeling in a fast changing world. Hey guys, just pausing this conversation with Clint to remind you to check out my brand new services, coaching services, follow the number two leadcoaching.com follow to leadcoaching.com. I am so excited about what God is doing through this ministry. It's all about living into the fullness of life with Christ in the depths of work. So do me a favor, check out that website. If I can help you in individual coaching or group coaching, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can email me, tony at twmilt.com. Now, Let's finish up this conversation with Clint. So uh, I'm, I'm picturing my friend, Zach, who I just had lunch with before you and I started recording the podcast. Yeah. And uh, he, I know he's going to listen. He's a faithful listener. And uh, I, I've been discipling Zach for a long time. And one of the questions that I know Zach would ask if he were here is, okay, Clint, what's my role as somebody in the church who's, I mean, somebody who's in the church, who's serving in leadership in the church, What's his role in the transformational journey f- for himself and for others? He's not a pastor. He's not ordained. He's, he's been in the church for a couple of years. He came to Christ later in life. What's, what's his role in all this? Yeah. Hey, hey, Zach, man, thanks for listening, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you're committed to the podcast. I'm so glad that you're seeking what what God has for you uh, in your life, and that really applies to all of us. Um, let me let me say a, a couple of things. First, uh, I, I want to say that Tony, to all of your listeners, whether they consider themselves uh, uh, called to church ministry per se, <laughs> right, on staff at a church or a leader in a church or lay leader, whatever terms they want to call. I, I, if you don't consider yourself to be a leader, if you hear that term, you're like, yeah, that's not really me. I just want to challenge you first of all, and I just want to say, hey, everyone, if you're on a faith walk with Jesus, if you're seeking what he has for you, you're a part of the church. He is calling you to be a catalyst 
in your church. He's calling you to be a catalyst in your world where you live, work, and play every day. And, and, and so, you know, as we lean into that, these destinations that God has for us are really, really important. And so I'd love to share with you just a couple of examples of some of the stuff that some churches have, have, have used to help uh, answer the question you just asked. Um, and it relates to how they have phrased some of the destinations. So let mm. me share some of these with you. They're really, really personal. It's really cool because it it gets so far deeper than just the general fruits of the Spirit. You know, they're fruits of the Spirit, the, the, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those things. Yes, um, that's what we're going for. But for most people, they can listen to a message or they can go to an event or something and they hear those and they nod and they say yes, but it doesn't get really personal. So let me share a couple of examples uh, with you. So, so here's one from a church. Um, uh, what, one of these, uh, they, they phrase it in, in the first person, by the way, that's what I encourage uh, churches to do. Um, I find myself becoming more and more sensitive to the Spirit's prompting and leading throughout my day. Is, is that something that I would say is, is always or often a characterization of my life? Is that something that's ever growing? Um, when someone wrongs me, I find myself responding first with compassion and curiosity about what might be going on in their life right then. <laughs> is that a little convicting, right? <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> is that right? Is that, you know, we dig into this. Um, I can name a recent situation in my family where I've offered an apology or sought reconciliation. Or, gosh, the world is so busy. We were we were laughing uh, uh, right before the podcast, you know, about travel schedules and all this kind of stuff. And, he, and here's one: I have rhythms in my life that allow me to recharge through Sabbath rest and retreats. Hmm. You know, is that, does that always characterize my life? Am, am I being intentional about these kinds of things? Uh, you know, but where it gets even more intentional is how we're engaging others. And so when you look at missional intentionality, how about I can name my five closest neighbors and what they're struggling with right now? Or, or how about I cultivate genuine friendships with non-believers to learn about one another's life and, and faith journeys it, intentionally where that, that's a passion or I find myself growing in passion, in my passion to build relationships uh, with those who may not be in a faith walk with Jesus, you, you know? And so when you start using phrases like that, and those are the destinations that you're going for, instead of a lot of the, the more common religious language that's used, people start to relate to it because you, you know, and that's, those are just a few examples. There's a lot yeah. of stuff that can relate to your family and your kids and your spouse, if you're married or, or, you know, how you interact at work, you know, how you interact, you, you know, when you're at play you know, how all of these things start start to work themselves out. Now, as you do this, you can then start using tools as a church. And again, as I mentioned earlier, there, there's different tools that we use. There's all kinds of relational surveys. And there's also what I call checkup loops, which, which is just a process of two-way communication with lay leaders throughout the church, with other people throughout the church, where you're getting feedback as you go. Hey, is this really helping? What are the barriers that we're uncovering? And when you know where people are, you don't have to lead by assumption, which mm. is where most leaders in the church get stuck. Most leaders in the church don't really know where their people are. I call that the awareness gap. That's the gap between what we think is happening in people's lives as a result of what we're doing and what is actually happening. There's ways to close that awareness gap so we don't have to lead 
by assumption. You know, as somebody who uh, who really believes in interrelational ministry, right? Like it's my absolute. I, I just believe that's where Jesus is going to do most of the transformation. Um, I think that this is incredible stuff. But I can imagine that as you roll this out to churches all over the U.S. Um, and as you talk to more leaders, it can sometimes be met with resistance. I'm curious what messages that you're hearing from pastors who are scared. Yeah, I I love that you're asking that question, Tony. There's, In fact, this is chapter two of the book. Chapter two really digs into the common fears that we all have in actually evaluating, right? Right. right. There, yeah. there, there's, some, there's some, you know, sometimes we don't like to be evaluated because we don't want to find out <laughs> what it may tell us. Amen. You know? <laughs> and, you know, right. And it's like, Oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. Let's just go back and let's just pretend like everything is working. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, as, as I have a, a lot of wonderful confidential conversations over coffee, uh, there are so many uh, more people who say, you know what? The reality is I am so busy. Ministry is exhausting. It is more exhausting than it ever has been, again, because of the world we're living in today. It's so, it's so turbulent. It, it forces us to adapt more and to be more agile in the decisions we're making and in the way we're leading. But, but so many people don't feel equipped to do this. So even if you're listening and you are a pastor or you are on a church staff, maybe, maybe you even went to seminary. I cannot tell you the number of people who have said to me, I was not trained in seminary to do ministry in a world like what we're experiencing today. I wasn't trained yeah. for this it, you, know, you know, in seminary. And, and so where I'll take them is to this place of, hey, why were you called? Mm. Why were you originally called? To ministry. And, and so when we go there, and this is for each of us, right, in our own calling, but this is for each of us. When God calls us, He is going to provide a way, and there's great joy and freedom and excitement and wonder <laughs> that relates to our calling. And I think so many people in the church, whether on staff or not, sometimes feel like they've lost the joy of their calling because they're so mm. busy. Even volunteers, there, there, there are volunteers who've said, you know, it feels like they just call me time and time again, and I feel like I'm working really hard. But are these the things that are really causing growth in me and others and equipping me to reach others in a relational way? And so, so I kind of walk through these fears, uh, you know, in a very straightforward way and also walk through the great joy and freedom and just the incredible um, kind of restoration of calling that comes when you know <laughs> where your people are <laughs> and you know what to spend your time and resources and effort on because it's going to be much more successful. And then you, then you can celebrate and God is going to move and stir and, and kind of reinvigorate all of that. You know, uh, my podcast family loves to pray as this book makes its way into more and more churches hands and more and more leaders hands and, more and more individuals' hands. What's kind of the prayer that we can pray alongside you uh, for what God is going to do through this church, through this resource? Like, what's the, what would be like, you know, your dream with this? Yeah, I, I, I would pray just just to echo what I just shared. I would pray that it brings an 
unbelievable amount of joy and freedom to every person in the church, Hmm. to every pastor in the church, to every lay leader in the church, to every person who is on a faith walk with Jesus. Because if they start to think about these kinds of principles and they start to have conversations in their churches and with people about these kinds of principles, it's going to unleash the church for greater disciple multiplication than ever before. Because it has to, because this is the way God wired it. And and so I, I would pray that God would just bring um, a, a, an openness and an excitement among the people that he is calling to reach other people uh, uh, with their lives and through their lives. Uh, and, and that this, this book would make that kind of impact, um, that kind of long-lasting uh, impact. Man, that's my prayer, too. I would love to see um, a reinvigoration of people going into ministry. And I think that yeah. when we, if we can mind the gap, well, as you talk about that, I think it's a really good way to get people. Ex- I mean, people do this for the transformation. And I, I really do believe that's what we have to get back to when it, when it comes to this kind of stuff. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, and Hey, if you're listening to this podcast, I, I along those same lines, I, I would encourage you right now, go and buy the book, go to, GoMindTheGap.com. Uh, that's the website. You can find more about uh, out about me there. You can get the book. And it's a great place to start just to dig more deeply into what it is God may have uh, for you, uh, again, as a leader in the church. And remember, everyone on a faith walk with Jesus is a leader in the church. Yeah. And, and let me just say this as a pastor to a bunch of people who may not be pastors, um, if you went to your pastor and said, I want to labor, I want to co-labor with you in this journey and not, Hey, I think we should do this. I think that, that you're going to, um, you're going to, I think every pastor out there is looking for more help. So yeah. th- let me just, let me just affirm that, uh, that if you want to take this book and read it with your pastor and talk through it with your pastor, I think as long as you're not saying, Hey, you need to do this and Hey, we can do this together. I think you're going to, you're going to hit some, some uh, a much easier openness to the process, don't you think? Oh, yeah. And, and it's not, you know, that's a really good point you make because this book is not a new model. This yeah. is not a new church model at all. <laughs> right. It's, it's designed to help you think differently about the effectiveness of what you're doing. And it helps you take what you're doing. And sometimes it's just a turn of the dial, right? But but it's going to give you that kind of ongoing feedback and approach to take with your leaders, with those who are with you, within your community, to really know if what you're doing is having the desired result and to make the appropriate adjustments as you go in real time. And that's a beautiful thing because you don't have to wonder then. And so it, it really is a way of thinking that rises above the din of competing uh, models uh, out there. I, I sometimes uh, uh, like to say that, that churches need to stop chasing models and start embracing outcomes where they are. Hmm. Uh, okay, so last question for you. Um, yeah. And uh, it's an advice question. I'm going to ask you to go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, except I get to name the season of life that you're in. <laughs> Um, and so I, I want to ask you to go back and give yourself one piece of advice. Your very first day, um, serving on, uh, in vocational ministry, All right? So the first day that you were, uh, 
you were kind of quote unquote on the payroll, uh, yeah. whether that be in the local church or in parachurch, if you could go back and give that, that younger version of yourself, one piece of advice, if you could sit knee to knee with them, look them in the eyes, hold his hands and give them one piece of wisdom from now years of experience, what would it be? Define the outcomes that you're going for based on personal journey progress, not based upon metrics. Hmm. And so metrics are important. Don't, don't get me wrong. But there are many things that we will ascribe success to, even in ministry. Things like uh, participation, things like um, uh, giving. And those are very important. Uh, again, uh, please don't misunderstand me. Um, those are that kind of engagement is very, very important because those are outflows in a sense of what's happening in our lives. The problem comes when we don't ascribe what's really happening in people's journeys as a result of that participation. Hmm. And 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 whether in parachurch ministry or even within the local church. I have found so many times, and I, I mean, I, I even thinking back to to, uh, uh, to to my initial day, as as, as you describe it, uh, I wish I had been more direct about saying these are the kinds of individual outcomes that we want to consistently talk about, that we consistently want to lean into, and that we consistently want to come up with ways to measure to know if we're breaking down the barriers in people's lives to reaching those kinds. Of destinations. Uh, Clint, I also know that there's a chance that uh, there's some people who are going to want to work with what you do and, and maybe they, they need more help than just the book. Um, where can they go to learn about the kind of the, the measurement process and how you do to walk alongside, you know, what you do to walk alongside the local church? Where's the best place to go for that? Yeah, so so the website gomindthegap.com there are links there uh for for consulting or for help, you know, along the journey. The organization I work with is called Oxano. It, it's a biblical uh word. It's a Greek word that you find in the book of Luke and the book of Acts quite often loosely translated. It means to cause to grow. And so when God shows up in people's lives, he oxanos his people. He, he says, mm. I oxano my people, I oxano my church. And and so it's really this idea that it's not about the things that we're doing uh, to help a church. It's the navigation that we're providing along the way that helps God work within his people based on his calling in that context. And so uh, so yeah, they can uh, they can connect with me and find out how to have conversations about this uh, by uh, uh, checking out gomindthegap.com. Clint, I'm so thankful for your heart for the local church and for our time today. It's a fascinating, fascinating dialogue, and I I can't wait to see what God does next. And uh, it's my hope and prayer that we can stay connected as we both lean in to what God has for us. Thanks, Tony. I pray the exact same thing. I told you guys what a great conversation. I loved the way he talked about destinations as a spiritual fruit. I love the idea of reevaluating what God's desired outcome is for the local church and journeys and what that means. And this is the kind of stuff that I do a lot in my other jobs. So it's such a joy to bring it here to you on the podcast. And remember, guys, don't be afraid to check out Follow to Lead Coaching and as well as hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm thankful 
so thankful to be a part of this community with you. And I'm thankful that you take the time to listen. I know you don't have to, and your time is valuable. So thank you so much. And remember, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.